Well, good morning, church. I thought I should wear my sunglasses today, but I didn't do that. So since we got John Wesley in sunglasses. Well, this is a special series about uh, the history of John Wesley and his theology. But it's also about why we believe what we believe at Mount Horeb. And that we, everything we believe is rooted in Scripture. And I believe that everything John Wesley believed was rooted in Scripture. Wesley said, I am a man of one book, and that is the Bible. Now, he read thousands of books, read newspapers, pamphlets, but it was clear that the Bible was his main source of authority. Scripture was Wesley's lens for viewing reality, for viewing truth, and for viewing the world. So Methodism has deep biblical roots. Now, this is a biblical sermon series. It's about our DNA at Mount Horeb. Two weeks ago, Trevor did a great job preaching about the need to have a genuine conversion experience. It's my prayer that everyone listening today will experience a genuine conversion experience where you commit your life to Jesus Christ. When you invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, and give you new life. That is my prayer for all of you listening today. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Emma did a great job on a message about being either an almost Christian or an altogether Christian. An almost Christian or an altogether Christian. And that how we need to be fully committed to Jesus Christ. We need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus Christ as his disciples. A sermon on discipleship. And today, I'm going to be talking about how if those two things are true, if we are in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and we are taking up our cross and following him, then we're going to go make an impact on the world. And we are called as God's people to make an impact on the world. So I'm speaking to those who are believers, those who have committed their life to Christ. But it is always my prayer that if you're listening today and you've not committed your life to Jesus Christ, that through this message... You will. These songs that have just been said, what an incredible worship we had here this morning, right? I thought Grace Mary was going to come off the stage on uh, Living God, right? Just going to jump off the stage because we were sharing the truth that happens in your life when you give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you've not done that yet today, we want to invite you to prayerfully consider giving your life to Jesus Christ. Now, John Wesley was the son of an Anglican priest. He grew up in a parish church. He served as a parish priest but as Trevor mentioned two weeks ago, Wesley, in May of 1738, on a street called Aldersgate, gave his life fully to Jesus Christ. That was after he'd been a priest for a while. He was a religious person, but he had never given his life to Jesus Christ. He was an almost Christian, but not an altogether Christian. And so once he had that experience, changed his life, his preaching became so radical and so controversial that he was banned from the pulpit in the Anglican church. He couldn't preach in Anglican churches because he was preaching salvation. He was preaching sanctification. He was preaching holiness. He was a priest without a parish. So he began to redefine what parish means. So let me define parish for you. A parish in the Church of England or the Anglican church was not just a church building. It, it, was, a, it was a geographical area that had a bishop and had a priest that was responsible to take care of those souls within that parish. But because Wesley had no parish, he still had a great burden for spreading the good news of Jesus Christ throughout England, particularly to the poor and to the working class. 
So in a radical departure, he began to preach in the fields. He began to preach in the city squares. He began to preach in the coal mines. He began to preach in cemeteries. And the reason he would preach in cemeteries is because he would make an acquaintance of somebody who actually owned a cemetery plot in a parish. He would get permission from that family to stand on that burial plot so he could preach the gospel in that cemetery. He had a passion for preaching the gospel. Now imagine this, early on in his preaching, Wesley was drawing huge crowds. One of the largest crowds he preached to was 50,000 people. Now 50,000 people without a microphone, without a stage, and he was a short guy, uh, is truly amazing. But his preaching, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, turned England upside down, and that is the, the roots in which we come from. Um, in responding to his critics, on his radical methods of preaching, being accused of trespassing on the work of priests assigned to those areas, he said this, I look upon all the world as my parish. It is my duty to proclaim and declare that to those who are willing to hear the glad tidings of salvation and everybody needs a new birth. Everybody needs to be born again. So he said, the world is my parish. Now, as we go through this series, and I, I personally picked this particular topic because it is, a, it is a burden of mine, but it's also, it's a reality of mine and a reality of our church. I've been a United Methodist, I was a United Methodist pastor for many, many years. And on June the 30th of 2023, I surrendered my credentials of being a United Methodist pastor. And so for a few moments there, I had no credentials. I had no papers, you know, and I was like, well, what do I do now? You know, and then in the mail arrives my new ordination papers. But with that said, God has called me and I feel like Wesley at times to be a priest without a parish, but the parish is not limited to this building. The parish is not limited to this area. The, the parish is beyond these bounds. Amen. That God has called us to go locally and globally to spread the good news of the gospel. Now, for example, when we were United Methodists, we, are, we were limited by the geographical boundaries. We really wanted to plant a United Methodist Church, an Orthodox Evangelical United Methodist Church in Columbia. But we were limited because we would impose upon geographical boundaries of other churches. In fact, we had had a conversation with a really dying church in downtown Columbia that they were about to close the building, and we wanted to go there and start a campus there that could reach college students in the Columbia area. And we were in conversations, we took our team in there, they looked at the building, it was amazing opportunity. And eventually though, the pastor there said, we don't want Mount Horb to come because they don't align with us theologically, they're too conservative, uh, they're too evangelical. And so we, we had to walk away. But thanks be to God, uh, as of June the 30th, we're no longer bound by those geographical boundaries, amen? And we're going to be able to go and spread what we believe is biblical, scriptural holiness wherever God leads us as we cast that vision. Now, let me say a word about this. This is pretty amazing. When Wesley declared the world is my parish, he had no idea of the coming digital age, and neither did most of us, right? It wasn't until just a few years ago that we realized the power of the digital parish, the digital parish. God's opportunity to share the good news of salvation, new birth, has never been greater. Hundreds of millions of people every minute are consuming untold amount of digital content. 
So I asked Melinda, who is on our team, our controller, who does a lot of our figures. I said, give me the total online attendance for the last 52 weeks. In the last 52 weeks, we've had 65,000 people watch services online from here. Isn't it amazing? 65,000 people watch services online. That's an average of 1,200 more uh, than that, 1,251 per week. And we use three social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. And they each attract a different set of viewers. And one of those is Church Online. And over the last 365 days, we've had 12,333 unique views from that platform alone. And they have a map of the last 365 days. And this is the folks that are watching Mount Horeb uh, unique views over the last 365 days. Isn't that, that amazing? That, that is beginning to live into what John Wesley said is the world is my parish. And then pull out a little bit. Let's pull out and look at globally. We see people in other parts of the world are listening. That's because we have a digital parish, right? We're no longer limited by geographical boundaries uh, because of this uh, good thing that has happened. And I looked at these numbers. It's pretty cool. As expected in those, those numbers from that map of the U.S., Lexington was the highest number, followed by Raleigh, North Carolina, Red Bank, Charlotte, Columbia, Gilbert. And let's give a shout out. Uh, in the top 10 was Morrisville, North Carolina. I'm not sure what's going on in Morrisville, but, uh, but we got hello all the folks in Morrisville. We're glad to have you with us, worshiping with us. Um, and I just, in addition to that, a special thanks. Let, let's give a special uh, hand to our production team, production people in both rooms who make it possible for this message to go out digitally into a digital page. You know, people used to say to me years ago, hey, Pastor Jeff, you know, we ought to be on TV. I said, I don't want to be on TV. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the TV ministry. No, 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 don't do that. And here we are, you know, reaching a, reaching a world beyond anything that we ever imagined a digital parish. Let me say a word also about denominational parish. As uh, Grace Marie mentioned, uh, we, we voted to separate from the United Methodist Church, and we're voting next week to hear a recommendation from the WayForward team and the Ag Council to align with the Global Methodist Church. And I want to put up there the logo of the Global Methodist Church and say a word about it. And I want to be reading this from their website. Um, it says, ever since John Wesley proclaimed, the world is my parish, the people called Methodists have been committed to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people all around the world. And given that this new denomination is made up of many countries, speaks many languages, yet share one faith, the name Global Methodist Church seems fully appropriate. Methodists in Africa, Europe, Eurasia, Eurasia, the Philippines, and the United States have embraced this name. It states who we are and who we aspire to be. Faithful Christians in the Methodist tradition dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people all over the world. And I love you look at that logo, a little more explanation. The three circles represent the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who we alone worship. The circles are intersected by the cross, which is the cross of Jesus Christ, a symbol of our deliverance from the slavery to sin and the fear of death. And the outer circumference represents the globe. The world is my parish. And so God is calling us to represent his name all over the world. And Jesus gave that command in Matthew 28. So if you're able, would you stand as I read? As let's read this together. Reading from God's word in Matthew 28 uh, from the New Living Translation. Would you read it with me? Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, 
Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands as I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Father God, take this word, the words of Jesus, the words that inspired a man named John Wesley, Words that inspire us today to to go and to make disciples, to baptize people, to teach, to preach. And Lord, may we know that your authority makes it all possible. So give us ears to hear and give us the courage to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to talk a minute about the Great Commission. This is called the Great Commission that Jesus gave. He gave, these are some of his last words he spoke. Actually, his last words he spoke in the Gospels. Uh, to the disciples. And someone say this to you, the great commission is not the great suggestion. It is not a suggestion that we go do this. It is a mandate. It is a command if you're a follower of Jesus. I spoke to you earlier. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you are committed as a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I are commanded to go and reach and redeem the world with the message of Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's a part of fulfilling what God made with the covenant God made with Abraham, that all the people of the earth will be blessed through God. That we as God's representatives are to go and bless the earth. We are to go and share the love of God. There's four commands. Go, make, baptize, teach. That's what we're called to do. And it's not people who are ordained, just people who are ordained. It's all of you who are listening if you're a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. I love what Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, said. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. It's not optional. (laughs) It's not optional. Every obedient follower of Jesus is called to participate in the Great Commission. Now, not every follower of Jesus is called to be a missionary or called to go overseas, but we're all called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission forms the foundation of Mount Horeb's church's mission statement. Our mission statement is to make disciples who mature, who mobilize, who magnify Jesus Christ. That's based on this command, to make disciples who become mature, who become mobilized, who magnify Jesus Christ in worship. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Now you say, what is a disciple? A disciple is a person that learns from Jesus. A disciple is one who believes in Jesus, learns from Jesus, follows Jesus, and puts into practice his teachings. And when we do that, we change the world. Change the world. Because the Great Commission is not a great suggestion, and the Great Commission is not done by our own strength. We can't change the world in our own strength. We don't have the personality. We don't have the uh, eloquence of speech. We don't have the persuasiveness to change people's lives. We can't do that. But we are given authority in Jesus' name to go and be his disciples. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, so therefore go. Now, what gives Jesus authority? Well, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is God incarnate who came into this world born as a baby in a manger. 
Jesus is the son of God who walked upon the earth and did miracles and signs and wonders. The authority of God worked through him. Jesus is the son of God who went to a cross and died there for the sins of the world, giving him authority. On the third day, Jesus is the one who raised from, was raised from the dead, resurrecting from the dead, giving him authority. And after 40 days of preaching and teaching with his disciples, explaining all that they were to do, then on the 40th day, he ascended into heaven, giving him authority. And today he sits at the right hand of Almighty God, giving him authority to intercede on our behalf. He is the one who gives us the authority. He is the one that gives us the power to go and be witnesses. So we don't do it on our own strength. Thanks be to God, right? He gives us the strength to do it. He gives us the strength through the Holy Spirit. I love what Acts 1.8 says, Jesus speaking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This power comes from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon believers to not only give them encouragement, not only give them comfort, but to work in them and to work through them. So you and I can be witnesses because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and working through us. And not only that, when we follow his command to go and to speak, then the Holy Spirit prepares the people that we're speaking to. Not everyone is going to say yes to Jesus, but many people are being prepared by the Holy Spirit for you to go and speak to them. And guess what? There's a lot of people in your world that doesn't yet know Jesus because perhaps you've not gone, because you've not spoken up. And I want to challenge all of us to go and to be able to speak to someone about the love of Jesus Christ because God has prepared you, he's called you, and he's prepared them for your message. The Great Commission is not the great suggestion. The Great Commission is not done in our own strength. And the Great Commission is not done by addition, but by multiplication. You know, just looking at those numbers on that digital parish, we see the example of multiplication, right? Jesus called out multiple disciples to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promised the disciples, you'll do greater things than I've done. That's amazing to me. But Jesus said, you will do greater things because I'm going to multiply you into many. And the real power in the church is whenever you and all of you listening allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and work through you and bam. Just imagine, I know this to be true, that every one of you listening today, somebody came to you and told you about Jesus. It was a mom, it was a dad, it was a friend, it was a, a, a pastor, it was a Sunday school teacher, it was a youth counselor, it was a coach, it was a teacher, it was somebody told you about Jesus. You heard the message and look what happened. Look at the crowd around you today. But what would happen if each one of us went out and told the people that God brought into our life and we went out and followed this command of Jesus to go, it would multiply. We would have to consider building a bigger building because there wouldn't be enough room for everybody to come. But that's what God has called us to do. We can, we can find other locations and we can find other places. And there's plenty of churches all over the Midlands, but people need to know about Jesus Christ. It's not about becoming a member of a church. I want you to hear that. It's about entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ wherever you go to church. Amen? It's about wherever you go. You need to, there's people out there dying to know about Jesus Christ, and we are called to go by, and do that. Next thing I would say, the Great Commission is not completed. It is not completed. There are 8 billion people on the planet, 
and 3.4 billion unreached people. That's 42.5% of the population. Joshua Project tracks all this as a ministry that is focused on reaching the unreached people groups of the world. There's a map up here. Let's put a map up and show you. Uh, this shows the people groups of the world and the unreached people groups of the world. The, the red denotes the, the most unreached areas, but you can see there's a lot of unreached people groups, including uh, a lot of people that are being un not reached in this country of ours. Uh, unreached people group. And that's, that's people that have not heard the gospel there, there are a lot of more unchurched people, but these are unreached people, and our work is not done. You know, Jesus said, uh, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I believe that he means that his commission to go and make disciples is not finished until he returns. And we've got work to do until Jesus Christ comes back. And one day he will come back and it'll be finished, right? He is being patient now. The Bible says in Peter that God is being patient so no one will be lost. And no one would be lost if we would all do our job, right? If we would all do our task, everyone would hear the good news about Jesus Christ and the change that has happened in our life. The next thing I want to say to you, the Great Commission is not bringing someone to church. It is bringing someone to Christ. Now, I love people to invite people to church, but that is not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is bringing people to Christ, not inviting people to church, but inviting them to meet Jesus Christ. When the world is our parish, we will invite people to meet Jesus. People want to know how you met Jesus. They want to know what it is to be a Christ follower. You know, in order to live out the Great Commission, I'm going to give you some suggestions. First, you've got to see the world as God sees the world. If you want to live out the Great Commission and be a person who goes and, and becomes a witness for Jesus Christ, you've got to see the world as God sees the world. How does God see the world? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. How does God see the world? He sees the world perishing. So he loved the world so much that he sent Jesus into the world so those who believe in him would not perish. Do we see the world as perishing without Jesus Christ? Do we see that there are those who are in danger of eternal destruction because they have not yet met Jesus Christ? Do we care enough? Do we love people enough to like God loves the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. You know, Wesley had a passion to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the poor, to the orphans, to the alien, to the wealthy, to the educated, to the uneducated. He saw the world through the eyes of God's love. Friends, we've got to see the world through the eyes of God's love, that God loves the world enough to send his only son. Wesley made this famous statement. He said, if you have a desire to flee from the wrath to come and to be saved from your sins, come and join this holy band. Wesley was saying that there is a wrath to come. There is a judgment to come. And if you want to flee that and believe in Jesus Christ, come and join us. See, we've got to invite people out of a lifestyle that is destructive into a lifestyle that is abundant life that God wants to give. Um, that, that, that statement brought a great awakening throughout England. 
you know, we, we, we like to complain about our, our, our country and our culture and how, how it's falling away from God. And certainly there's some concerns there, a lot of red flags there. England, on the other hand, in the 18th century was a cesspool. It was a cesspool. And that's where God raised up a man named John Wesley that led a great awakening because he was not afraid to invite people to flee from the wrath to come and invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life. I love what Bob Kaler said. He's a United Methodist pastor. He said the early Methodist movement was like an AA for sinners. Anybody need an AA for sinners? An AA for sinners. He says a, a movement where people got real, a movement where people repented, and a movement where people helped each other grow in grace. It was a bold movement that proclaimed people needed God who had the power to change their lives. A movement of humility and a movement of hope. It is a movement that we need today. Amen? We need a movement today where we believe God has the power to change lives. You, you got to see the world as God sees the world. And you got to step out. You got to step out. You know, in this world that we live in, last, what was it, last Sunday we celebrated, or last Tuesday, whenever it was, we celebrated July 4th. That in this country we have the freedom to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Nobody's preventing you or I from being a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen? So therefore, there are no secret agent Christians in America. You got that, right? There's no need for undercover Christians here in this place. Now, if you lived in China, you might need to be an undercover Christian. If you lived in Iran, you might need to be an undercover Christian. But there's no reason to be a secret agent Christian here. You got to step out. We've got some friends here with us from the, apostle, uh, the apostles, right? Uh, motorcycle group. And they unashamedly wear their uh, colors and their representation of Jesus Christ on their back. And they share. Let's just welcome them this morning. Thank you all. You know, back in the day when I was in high school and a, and a, and a, and a, and a newly converted follower of Jesus, we would wear a button that, that declared what we believed. Today, we hide behind buttons <laughs> so we don't tell people what we believe, right? But we need to step out and be willing to be bold. Step out and, and, and be the person God calls you to be. I want to tell this story real quickly. Now, you that own businesses here, and many of you own businesses, and I'm not recommending this as a, you know, so I'm apologizing to you on the front end of this, but, um, you know, I shared a couple weeks ago an album that my wife and I were on, and we, we recorded it, and it was the, the first year we put the group together. The second year we recorded the album. Third year, we went back to Myrtle Beach, and we, we, uh, committed to working at a place called Magic Harbor. You may remember Magic Harbor. You've got to be old to remember Magic Harbor. Uh, Magic Harbor was owned by Lakewood Campground, and it was an amusement park right next door. And so they had just started the park, and they, they, they hired the seven of us in our group to work in the park, right? With the understanding that we would get to step out and share our testimonies two nights a week uh, in the park, right? Little areas in the park and share our testimony. Well, the park was struggling with getting enough employees, and I was in charge of ticket sales, uh, Dave was in charge of rides, somebody else in charge of concessions, somebody else in charge of the arcade. We had the key jobs in the park, and we just weren't getting time to witness. We weren't getting time to sing. We weren't getting time to, to, to sell albums, you know, but whatever. But it was about just sharing the good news of Jesus, right? And so we had a meeting, group meeting, and we said, hey, we got to go talk to them. We, we can't keep doing it. We, we came to share Jesus here. So I went in and met with the owners, and we said, hey, you promised us that we would get a share. They said, well, we're kind of having a hard time right now getting the people, so you know, just be patient and it'll work out. Well, a week or two later, nothing changes, and so we had another group meeting, 
And we went in and quit our jobs, all seven of us. Quit our job, not recommending that. Uh, but we quit our jobs and we said, we're gonna go share the gospel. And so we, we, for the next uh, seven weeks in Myrtle Beach with no job, we went and shared the gospel. Uh, and we shared every night, seven days a week. And we, and, we, and we just stepped out in faith. And God blessed it and did amazing things with it. We didn't starve to death. My wife didn't leave me. It was exciting. Uh, and, uh, but uh, it was a, it was a, we had to step out, right? You got to step out. Mal Horb chose to step out 28, 29 years ago and make a difference in this community, in the world. I love what John Wesley said. He says, give me 100 men who fear nothing but God and who hate nothing but sin and who know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified and I will shake the world. Give me a hundred people who fear nothing but God, who ain't nothing but sin, who know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I will change the world. Every Friday morning, I meet with a bunch of men who pray with me and pray for this church, pray for these ministries. And I believe those men fear nothing but God. They hate nothing but sin and know nothing but Jesus Christ crucified, and he's shaking the world through those men that gather every Friday morning, 6.45 a.m., shameless plug, come join us. But God is looking for people. You know, Wesley stepped out. Well, actually, Wesley rode out. Wesley rode 250,000 miles on horseback. Imagine that. 250,000 miles on horseback. Preached 40 sermons. And you got to step out. You got to speak up. You got to speak up. I love this from Philemon chapter 1. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Now, everyone in this room and everyone listening has a personal faith. It's personal but it shouldn't be private. Your personal faith should not be private. I was listening to a message uh, by Steve Addison from Asbury Seminary talking about how we witness for Christ. And he says, why would anyone become a Christian in the first three centuries? Why would anyone choose to follow Jesus in the first three centuries after Jesus' crucifixion? Because once you signed up to follow Jesus in the first three centuries, there was a really good chance you were going to be persecuted, a really good chance you were going to be imprisoned, and a really good chance that you would die for following Jesus. Yet the movement exploded all over the world, including the Roman Empire. And why did that happen? Because those Christians demonstrated the love of God, and people saw the love of God in them. On Friday, I went... Uh, uh, and Em and I went and visited a church member who has gotten a very devastating diagnosis and happening, something happening very quickly. And we went to pray with this person. And, and, and it's hard to explain in the midst of that devastating diagnosis the joy I saw in that person, the smile that they had, the peace that they had. And we prayed with them. And when I got done praying and got ready to leave, I said, you've ministered to me today. You've helped me out a lot today. We need to share your story. See, that's why Christianity changes the world. That in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of devastation, Christians stand up and are joyful because Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is in them and working in them. We need to share that with people. You know, I, the, the, the gospel is spreading all over the world. The church is growing in leaps and bounds all over the world, but not so much here in the West. And the question is, why is the gospel not growing in the West? Did you know that if you were born after 1984, if you were born after 1984, there's less than a 10% chance that you're in church today. 
And why is that happening in the West? I truly believe we've lost our faith that the gospel has the power to change lives. We don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ can change lives. We need to believe and recommit ourselves to believing that. And the other thing, we don't want to offend people. You know, Barna, the great uh, group that does all these surveys, they say there's 152 million unchurched people in the U.S. 152 million unchurched people in the U.S. And let's say hypothetically 90% don't want to hear the message of Jesus. Guess what? 15 million do. 15 million want to hear the message of Jesus. So what's the advice I want to give you as we close this up? Really simple, go. <laughs> Jesus said go. Go in, the, in my authority and go and, and, and pray with people. Go and pray for people. Go and, and, and ask somebody, do you, or, or how close are you to God? Are you far away from God? Do you want to be closer to God? Just go and ask the question to somebody. And guess what? What if nine out of 10 say, I'm not interested, but one out of 10 says, I want to know how to get close to God. Remember the parable Jesus told? There were 99 sheep in the fold, but one was missing, and he went looking for the one. Church, if we'll go looking for the one, each one of us, then God will do amazing things, right? Amazing things. You've got to go and, 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 and speak up. Uh, You've got to go. You know, the biggest problem, I believe, is our obedience, our lack of obedience. You know, Mount Horb has always been focused on missions, and we want to be a missional church, locally and globally. But I want us to become a great commission church where we go and take Jesus Christ into our neighborhoods. We go and take Jesus Christ into the workplace. We go take Jesus Christ to the playgrounds, to the golf courses, wherever we are. willing to take Jesus. We're a great commission church, not just a great mission church. You got to serve others in missions. You got, you got to, your, your private faith has got to affect your public walk. You got to love well, and, and you got to stay after it, right? You got to stay after it. Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. It's going to continue to the end. I love these words in Matthew 9. Jesus said to his followers, there is much grain ready to gather, but the workmen are few. Pray then to the Lord who is the owner of the grain fields that he will send workmen to gather his grain. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This past Thursday, uh, a friend and I went and picked up three bushels of corn, roughly three bushels of corn, sweet corn. Spent all day Thursday you know, putting it up in the freezer and all that good stuff. So, you know, if you all need some corn uh, and things go south, I'm your guy. Anyway, but it, what, was, what was really interesting was in talking to the son of the farmer who gave us the corn, he says, you know, my dad, my dad farmed 700, 700 acres of field corn. And we, and we plant about 50 to 75 acres of sweet corn to give away. We just want to give it away to people. Give it to churches, friends. But, you know, we only give away about an eighth of what we plant. Because people won't come. People just won't come. You know anybody wants to come get some corn? <laughs> he said, tell them to come tomorrow. That's a, such a statement about the good news of God's message. People aren't taking advantage. Because we're not going and sharing. I want to close with this story. 
professor at Wheaton College back in the, the 40s. He took a group of students to England and they went to uh, Epworth, which is the Methodist Museum, also where John Wesley lived. They went on a tour of the facility and went up to John Wesley's bedroom and there were some worn out places in the floor where John Wesley had knelt and prayed for revival, prayed for a great awakening to come to England, praying that he, God would use him to reach the world. Well, they did the tour, they got back on the bus and the professor noticed that one student was missing. So he went looking back at the house, went all through the house and finally went back up to John Wesley's bedroom. And there was a student kneeling down in the very places that John Wesley had knelt, praying for revival. And he was praying, the student was praying, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again and do it through me. And the name of that young student was Billy Graham. Billy Graham praying for God to do it again. And God did it again through Billy Graham. Amen? I'm asking us as a church, will we kneel down, bow down before the Lord and say, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Reach the world through me. Each of you have a world to reach. Each of you have a calling to go. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your call. And I thank you for these people called Methodists through the years who went out to reach the world. Father God, I thank you that you love the world so much you gave your only son. That anyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And Father God, if there's anyone in this room or anyone listening that feels like they're perishing, that the devil has got a grip on them Sin's got a hold on them and they, they feel like they're strangling in sin and destruction and bondage and addiction. Lord, I pray right now they would reach out to you and you would change their life. And not just change their life, Lord, but give them a mission. Give them a calling to go and change the world. And I pray for this church called Mount Horeb that the bush where you spoke to Moses is still speaking because we're still going and sharing the love of Jesus. Lord, help us to do your work till the end of the age. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to invite you to stand and we're going to sing uh, this great song called Send Me. And will you make this your prayer? Lord, send me. I'll go.